1: let us pray. Holy loving God, it is in your presence where we find comfort, we find strength and we find renewal.
0: May our hearts today be open to your word. May our voices be lifted in praise and our souls stirred by the moving of your Holy Spirit. May this time of worship be a source of inspiration and reflection and deep connection with our faith, with one another and with you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Today marks the beginning of Advent, which is the season leading up to Christmas. For four weeks, we will wait. That's what Advent means. We will wait for Christ to come on Christmas. And this year at Downtown Church, our theme for Advent is already and not yet. Christ has already come some 2,023 years ago and we await his birth this year. Today starts Advent and we count down the days until Christmas. We're gonna focus on the and, the ampersand, the in-between time where we find ourselves. And each Sunday in worship, we're gonna play with that ampersand theme. So keep your eyes open for the surprises in worship in the season of Advent. Here now our Gospel reading today, it comes from Mark chapter one, the first eight verses can follow along with me. The beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ. As it is written in the prophet Isaiah, see, I am sending my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. The voice of one crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. So John the baptizer appeared in the wilderness proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And the whole Judean region and all the people of Jerusalem were going out to him and were being baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now John was a weird dude. He was clothed with camel's hair, with a leather belt around his waist. He ate locusts and wild honey. And hopefully some other things. He proclaimed, the one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I am not worthy to stoop down and untie the straps of his sandals. So I have baptized you with water, John says, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. This is the word of God for the people of God. The title of today's sermon is Prepare the Way. This past week, my family and I traveled to the mountains in western North Carolina to spend the holiday with them. My in-laws have a really beautiful piece of land on the Nantahala. So to get there, you take a main highway to Franklin, North Carolina, and it's paved, it's nice unless you get car sick, but mostly it's nice. And then you take a turn off of this nicely paved road onto a gravel road, and you're on the gravel road for at least 30 minutes. I guess 30 minutes if my husband Tim is driving. If I were driving, we'd probably still be on that road trying to find their land. After a while, the streets are no longer labeled. After a while, the GPS quits working. You don't have cell service anymore, so we turn to this text message that we had already pre-saved, and the directions to their property read like this. Take a right at God's blessing, which is a sign that just says God's (laughs) blessing. Someone has declared that the place. Take a right at God's blessing, then cross the creek with care. You gotta drive through the creek, not once, twice to get out to their property. The instructions read, "Past the trees. Count three cabins and then bear right when it looks like you're going straight into the river. It reads like instructions for a kid's scavenger hunt, you know, like you are on an adventure. And it's a private road, this road out to their property. And so it is shared by the community and it's maintained by the community. And you can tell that they take great care to maintain these roads. You can see where someone has come with their saw, maybe they keep it in the back of their truck, and has pulled apart the trees, preparing the way, making the way for others behind them. The community takes pride in clearing this path, not just so that they can get their truck through, but for the visitors, like us, who are pioneering our way through. It's this kind of clearing the path that the prophet Isaiah is talking about today. It's what he means when he says prepare the way for the Lord, make the path straight. In Isaiah's time when a visiting king would come, the whole community would go out and they would take their version of saws and shears, and they would remove the boulders out of the path and they would cut apart the trees and pull them to the side. Even the kids would get involved, picking up the twigs and raking the leaves out of the way. Together, they would create the king's highway. Together, they would prepare the way for the coming king. Isaiah promises that there will be a messenger who will lead the preparations when the Messiah comes. And that's when John the Baptist, this weird dude in the wilderness, appears in our narrative. John lives in the the wilderness, which means that he is used to clearing some path. He probably has all sorts of tools on him at any given moment so that he can clear the path. But rather than calling people out to clear a physical path like Isaiah's time, John calls the people into the wilderness to clear a path within, to clear out whatever blocks us in our minds or our hearts, whatever keeps us from welcoming fully the Savior in. Now John knows, as much as we do, that God is about to enter the physical space. But John also knows that this coming king's gonna be different than any other visiting king and that with this one, this special one, we need to clear the pathways inside. And so, rather than giving out shears and saws, John hands them different tools. He hands them the tools of repentance and baptism. John knows that there are boulders of jealousy within us that slow the way for Christ to get in. He knows that there are tree limbs growing within us of greed that we got to get out those saws and cut away to make a way for Christ to be welcomed in. What John's inviting us to do today is to look in the mirror to take stock of our lives, to take stock of those negative thoughts that circle in our brains, the things that wake us up at night, and to clear that out of the way to make room for the savior, the king, who is coming. In this season of pe- preparation, we are to clear out you know, those seven deadly sins, the lust and the shame and the fear and the gluttony. I don't know what yours is, I've got several. In this season, it's our job to clear those out of the way so that we are open fully to receive Christ. Now when I see this word repentance, I don't know about you, but I've been trained to think about repentance with Lent. You know, another church season in preparation for Easter. I haven't really paid attention to how it marks the beginning of this Christmas season, Advent season. Repent means to turn away. Turn away from the evil of the the world, turn toward Christ. When we repent, we're making this internal promise that we are gonna place our trust in Christ and leave every other worldly demand to the side. Repentance is the internal promise and then baptism is the outward sign and signal. It's what we do as a community to point to that internal promise within. For many of us, preparing the way this season is gonna be trying to remember our baptism, which for many of us, it was when we were babies. So instead of remembering our own baptism, we might need to look in the next few weeks for the babies that will be baptized up here to celebrate and be a part of that sacrament. I don't know about you, but I think it's fascinating when I read this text that crowds left the city and went out into the wilderness, and I imagine that it didn't just happen overnight. You know, all of us just pick up and go to the wilderness together. It's not how things work. I'm guessing they were probably a few adventurers. You know, maybe some hunters in the crowd, who were willing to be early adopters and go out and see what this weird guy John was talking about. You know, so imagine a few guys getting together, saying, "Hey, what you doing for the next few days?" let's go see about this guy named John. And so they go out and they start talking to John. And John starts asking about places in their lives where there are these boulders in the way. And John tells them what they're doing is repenting. And then John invites them into the river to be washed clean, to let all that debris leave them, leave them alone. And to focus on the one who is coming, Christ who is coming. I can imagine these guys getting home, you know, and they've got that glow. You know, like they've just spent some time in the wilderness. And that glow is contagious. Their friends and their family and their neighbors, they start asking, what, what have you been doing? What cleanse are you on? I want to get on that. And they tell them about this experience with this weird guy, John, in the wilderness and, and all these blockages that are gone in me. And they, they share about their baptism. And that's when other people start coming along. That's when the crowds start to grow, going into the wilderness, being baptized, preparing for Christ's arrival. You know, often in scripture and in our lives also, landscape matters. It matters. That the people in John and Jesus' day are going into the wilderness to prepare the way. And it's important that you and I, we go into the wilderness too. And I'm not talking about leaving here and trucking out to somebody's property and walking through the woods. There are wildernesses accessible to us right here, right now. We all have them. Wildernesses, they're the times in our lives when we are disoriented when we feel lost. It's the times that we've discovered that whatever it is that we're chasing doesn't meet the hunger inside. And that we're left at the end of the day feeling more empty and discouraged and disheartened than when we started. Listen to this, our wilderness is where we are most aware of our need for the savior. I'm gonna say that again. Our wilderness is where we are most in need, most aware of our need for our savior. So I don't know about you, but your wilderness might be your career. It may be that you're at a place where you are just discouraged and you're tired and you're ready for something different and maybe that's your wilderness where you're figuring out your values and your boundaries and your needs for work. Maybe your wilderness is yearning for a new creative outlet. You're tired of producing for other people. You need something just for you, an energy, creative energy between you and your creator. Maybe your wilderness is in a relationship and you got to see that at the Thanksgiving table this last week. Maybe there's a relationship that you yearn for the boulders and the the tree limbs to just be cleared out so that you can experience Christ with one another. The way we prepare our minds and our hearts for Christ is to go to our wilderness, to face it head on, to be honest about what blocks us, what's blocking those pathways because when we name our wilderness, and we start to pray for Christ to come into that wilderness, we open our eyes to see him, we prepare the way. There are some of us in this room who have gone first in this work. 20 people in this community have put some words on paper about a wilderness experience in their lives. And we, the staff, have collected those stories and formed them into an Advent devotional that'll go out via email every day of this Advent season. It's not too late to sign up. It'll start going out tomorrow morning. Each weekday during Advent, if you choose, you can get to read how someone is preparing themselves for Christ. And it will become a light for you to see where Christ is coming to you as well. There might be one out of those 20 that you recognize and say, Mmm, that's my wilderness. It's intentional that this devotional is communal. It's not just one voice saying where they see Christ in the world. It's intentionally communal. Because I don't know if you noticed, but there were crowds that went out to prepare the way, not just one person. It's important that we do it together. I'm gonna share a story with you that shows just how important it is that we all prepare the way for Christ this Advent season together. It was February of 1952 when one of the worst storms struck the coast of New England. And at that time there were two oil tankers out at sea, the SS Fort Mercer and the SS Pendleton. They found themselves facing their worst nightmare of wilderness. The storm, storm was so great that the winds and the rains and the waves hit the Mercer and broke a hole in the ship. It started filling up with water and crewmen were being tossed to the side. And eventually the damage was so bad that the ship split into two and sunk to the bottom of the sea. Well, the crewmen on board the Pendleton knew that they faced the same fate. They had to do something different. And an engineer by the name of Ray Seibert suggested that they run the ship aground to keep it afloat. And the crewmen prepared themselves for this. Well, meanwhile, the Coast Guard of Cape Cod sent out a rescue team for the Pendleton. They appointed this young guy named Bernie to lead the rescue mission, and he got to pick three guys to go with them. They took a motorboat into the storm that split a ship in two. And on this motorboat, they rowed through the storm across this treacherous water. They got hit by the same waves that nearly threw, almost nearly threw them off the boat, but they hung on, they braved the storm, they faced the wilderness. And the engineers of the Pendleton, they finally managed to run their ship aground and they kept it standing long enough, just long enough for this Coast Guard rescue mission to reach them. And on the Pendleton, they dropped down their ladder and they went down one by one. There were too many men to get on the motorboat, but they said, we all go or no one goes. They were there just in time. They watched the Pendleton sink. So Bernie, he calls up the station, he informs them that they have rescued the men, but in this rescue and, and amongst the waves of the storm, they've lost their compass. They're out in the storm and they have no way home. Some reports said that the men facing their fears began to sing this old hymn, Rock of Ages, just to garner enough strength to keep going. So here they are, men, barely alive, barely awake, soaked to the bone, cold, and they see something ahead. It's a few circles of light blurring together, just enough to be seen, and the crew begins to perk up with hope, and they follow that light into the harbor. And when they get close enough, they realize it's not coming from a lighthouse, it's coming from cars, headlights of cars, the whole village had gotten into their cars in this storm and driven to the edge of the sea and turned on their headlights, hoping that with enough of them, they would blur together to help these sailors get home safe. You know what they were doing? They were clearing the path. That light was clearing the fog and the darkness and the waves so that the sailors could see They were making the way. When the sailors made it home safely, when they made it ashore, the Coast Guard crew was celebrated, as they should be, as heroes. And you know what they did? They pointed to the community. They said we wouldn't have made it home had you not prepared our way. You and I know the hero that we are waiting to welcome into our homes, into our minds, into our calendars, into our hearts. It's Jesus. He is coming, and you and I, we get to prepare the way. Thanks be to God. Amen. Christ is coming. He's on the way, and we get to prepare the way. So as you go from this place, may the peace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the interruption of the Holy Spirit, may it be with you, and with all those you love, and with all those nobody loves, go in God's peace. Amen. If you feel compelled to support the church financially, you can give a secure gift online at downtownchurch.me forward slash give.